Hey, Larry here. Acts 29 today. Coming to you from sunny Chiang Mai, Thailand, the world headquarters. And I want to thank you for tuning in today and uh, hanging out with me for this episode. And uh, we will continue on with some of the amazing things that happens when you pray in the Spirit. And so this week, uh, we will be talking about the dead limb of complacency. Uh, We've been talking about... uh, dead limbs that the Holy Spirit's trying to get out of our lives in the last 40%. There's 30 uh, 30, 60, and 100 fold walk and and now we're talking about that that walk that goes from 60 to 100%, that last 40% where the Holy Spirit's trying to clean up you know, the very last of the things that hinder our walk. And so this is super important stuff as we live in a day where deception is just so phenomenal in the church that it's sometimes I can't hardly even believe what I see and what I hear. And, uh, you know, I had to leave all of that stuff. I just had to leave it and stick with the basics, stick with the Word, stick with the Holy Spirit revealing to me the Word. And, uh, you know, He just... He just took me out of so much of that stuff that that I was involved in for many years, all the different movements and different things and and it was all you know supposedly God and all this stuff. but as I went through all the stuff, I found out that there was there was nothing at the end of the rainbow, you know. It was just more stuff. And I wasn't satisfied with more stuff. I wanted uh, to experience him in his fullness, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, fellowship of his sufferings, so that one day, if possible, I may be able to rise above the death in this world through that resurrection power while still in the body. Paul said, I have one desire, and that is to know him. To know him, not not know more about him, but to know him. See, there's a big difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody. I, you know, I have learned about 
some people, and I can tell you about those people, but I didn't know those people personally. And so you can know about me. You can read some things about me. You can talk to some people who have known me at different times in my life. But until you come to Thailand, to Chiang Mai, and we meet for coffee many times, and you get to know me, that's a completely different experience than just knowing about me. And Paul said, I want to know him <clears throat> and the power out that outflows from his resurrection. I want to know him, not just more about him. And to know him takes time. If you want to know me, you're going to have to come to Thailand. You're going to have to come to where I am. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you something to get to know me personally. Well, if we're going to get to know him, Jesus, we're going to have to go to where he is. And he's not in the noisy places. He's not in, you know, the big meetings and, and all that stuff. He's on, he's on the backside of the desert. He's in the quiet place. He's in that place, the secret place, where you go with just you and him. That's why people struggle so much with discernment in these days is because they never go to that quiet place. They're always busy, running around, doing things, going to meetings, going to conferences, all these things that are not bad things in and of themselves, but if they're not doing the rest during the week, you know, Sunday mornings aren't going to get the job done. It's not going to get the job done. You're going to have to be involved in this thing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's where the growth happens. That's where you get to know him personally. At home, in that secret place, in the word, praying in the spirit, worshiping in private. That's where it happens. That's where it's going to happen. If any sports people just practiced for an hour on Sundays, you would never know their name. You would never see them in any, any big tournaments or races or boxing matches because they wouldn't be prepared enough to ever get there and go there. No, the professional players, they practice. They don't practice for one hour a week. They practice every day. I read where Kobe Bryant, the basketball star that died in the helicopter crash the other day, he said he would go practice. <clears throat> and it was like six hours a day or more. <clears throat> and he wouldn't finish until he had made 1,000 shots. 
1,000. And then he could quit practice for the day. Sunday mornings is not going to get the job done, folks. That's a hobby. That's not a way of life. This is a way of life. And that's why the discernment is not there and why people get fooled so easily in the church today by all kinds of stuff. Well, I'm going to go into, uh, it's kind of short today. We're going to go on and talk about this dead limb of complacency. And again, I'm going to be reading a lot right out of the book because I don't want to miss the power that's that's in what Dave says here. And I'll be commenting on a couple things too. He said, the worst thing you need to be purged from is complacency and indifference. In its extreme, it's a type of attitude that says, let the town go to hell. Why should I spend my time praying for them? There are pastors in a state of complacency who don't want to meet under the same roof with other preachers in town. Sure, these pastors want to see everyone in town get saved. They aren't that wicked, but they just want to be the ones that do it. Their attitude is, if an evangelistic outreach doesn't come through me and my church, I am not going to make it a success. That is called indifference or complacency. And it's quite a chore for the Holy Ghost to cut that dead limb off. It's a part of the last 40%. <clears throat> now, I know a guy that I have known ever since I was born again back in 1972. And today he works for uh, <clears throat> the Franklin Graham Association. And this has nothing to do with with Franklin Graham. It's just the place he works right now. And, and I want to tell this story. And he goes from city to city where Franklin is going to be going and holding a crusade. And so he'll go into a city and he'll go around to all the, the, the big churches. And he will talk to them about Franklin coming and how they can be involved in the, the crusade. And he said the very hardest part of his job is trying to get any one of these churches and pastors to actually want to work together with someone else that's coming to town to hold a crusade. He said, you know, it's like pulling teeth to get Pastor A to commit to work with Pastor B and C to all come together for this crusade. And, you know, he said that is his, that's his biggest problem. That's his hardest job. Is trying to get these people to come together for one purpose so that, so that people can hear the gospel. And, you know, I, I'm not shocked by that anymore. There were days when I was, but I'm not anymore because I have seen over the past 48 years of being a believer, you know, how divided uh, the church can be.
The Holy Ghost has to cut the dead limb of indifference out of our lives before we will ever pursue revival above any selfish desire. Until we are purged of complacency, we'll always be focused on my lifestyle, my comfort, more than other people's salvation. Uh, that's pretty much summed up in a book called Your Best Life Now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the philosophical lie of the age in the church today. Your best life now. And, uh, you know, that has swept into millions of people's lives. <clears throat> that's how easily people are deceived these days. Personally, the devil has often tried to use complacency as a means to keep me from entering into the best God has for me. This is Dave talking. The enemy will whisper in my mind, why don't you just settle back and be comfortable? You have a good anointing. You have good meetings. Don't hundreds get filled with the Holy Spirit in a matter of weeks? Aren't you in the camp meeting circuit? And why don't you just settle down and stay where you're at? It's a good place to be. Every time I have tried to break out of my comfort zone, I've entered, encountered a major attack of the enemy. My flesh says, well, why don't I stay where I'm at spiritually? Why subject myself to more battering by the devil? Why can't I just get comfortable and live like other preachers? They seem to be content and happy. So my flesh will try to talk, talk me into being complacent. But you see, the hunger that is on the inside of my spirit has always been stronger than the voice of my flesh. I can only walk after the flesh so long before it becomes unbearable. I get absolutely unhappy, and I stay that way until I shake off my complacency and start to fervently pursue God again. And there have been times in my own life where I have been in a place of complacency like that and you know everything is going great and you know I'm traveling the world and ministering in different countries and doing this and doing that and and one time we were in uh, we were living in Costa Rica right on the beach and uh, we were working for a school for troubled teens, and and we had an we had an outreach program from the school in Costa Rica. We were in a little village town called Nosara on the Pacific coast in northwest Costa Rica, right walking distance to the beach. We'd walk down every morning, and the little boats would come in with red snapper and and fish that they just caught in the ocean and we would uh, buy a few fish and take back and uh, the cooks would cook it up for lunch. And, uh, you know, we lived, we lived a pretty sweet lifestyle there. Other teams would come, you know, from different places to do ministry in Costa Rica and they'd stay at this place where we were at and they'd ask us, well, what do you guys do, you know? And so we'd tell them and they'd go, oh, Man, I want to do that. I want to do that. So it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty comfortable deal. And after a while, you think, well, geez, why don't we just stay here? You know, this is, 
this is this is pretty good, you know. But eventually things changed and 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 there came a time when you know, we knew we had to leave and and go on with God. But you know, the temptation was there. There was another time I'll tell you about that I was at my parents' house and uh they had lived in this place for 40 years and I had seen the routine there, you know, for many years that, that my parents went through. But my dad always wanted to sell the house, buy a motor home and travel the country and, and preach in churches and share his testimony and that kind of stuff. But when it came to doing it, you know, he just never could quite do it. And... uh Part of it was complacency because, you know, their house had been paid for for many years. They had everything they needed there. It was very, I mean, it might not have been super comfortable, but it was, you know, it was very doable. And I watched him, you know, cut wood and bring the wood in and feed the fire and the stove for year after year after year. But one day I was out at the house and I was sitting on the couch and I watched him come in and feed the fire. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit spoke to me because I knew that one day when they passed away, that house would be mine and it, it's paid for and all that. And I could just, and then I saw myself. My dad disappeared and it was me. And I was bringing in the wood and feeding the fire. And I was doing that year after year after year until I was an old, old man. And I was like shocked, you know, I thought, what, what is this? Well, the Holy Spirit was showing me that I could be complacent, I could be comfortable, and I could just live out my years right there in a house that's paid for, not have any any bills, not have anything going on, you know, and just be comfortable there in my my life. And it, it really scared me, scared me really bad. And, uh, man, I shook that off and, uh, you know, I, uh, I didn't do that, you know. Uh, that house was sold and they passed away and, and I didn't, uh, I didn't, I didn't live there. I did have a house in Utah that I had built, and it was it was paid for, and I could have stayed there too. And we had a coffee shop there that we owned, and I could have stayed there too, but but I couldn't. I had to move on with God. So this is what he's talking about. So the Holy Spirit wants to mature us through revelation of God's Word so that we look at that dead limb of complacency in our lives and say, I am disgusted with that. Holy Spirit, please cut it off. He's even happy if we look at that limb and honestly admit, God, I just don't want that limb cut off. At that point, we only need to do one thing, keep on praying in tongues and eventually we will want to get rid of that dead, ugly limb. That is the edification process at work. 
So the Holy Spirit waits patiently for us to yield our authority to him. For he has a work inside of you to do. He will strengthen your inner man, your reborn human spirit, with sufficient might to put to death the deeds of the flesh and to purge every dead limb out of your life one by one. As you do, the Holy Spirit has the liberty to increase his work of revealing divine mysteries to your spirit. So be assured, whether it's mortification or revelation, your prayers in the Spirit are being answered. And then he gave a short uh, prophecy word through the Holy Spirit at the end of this chapter. Oh, I will come from a place within where you think that you have no strength. And I'll say to you, get up and try again. For even though you may be cast down from time to time, know this, my child, you are not forsaken. Get up again and again and again. And my strength will be with you continually to begin again and again and again. And in a time when you think you will fall, you will not fall. You will stand. For I will come from a place within and give you strength, says the Spirit of Grace, that you never knew you had. Well, I am going to stop there for today next week we will continue on uh, with overcoming impasses in prayer and talk about some of the things that uh, <clears throat> can come against you as you're as you're going along in this prayer life because things will so, I want to uh, thank you for tuning in today, and uh, God bless you this week, and uh, I will check in with you again next week for another edition of Acts 29 today. This is Larry coming to you from sunny Chiang Mai, Thailand, the world headquarters of Acts 29 today. God bless. I'll see you next time. <laughs>